November 22nd. Today, as we look into the New Testament, we begin reading in a new book, 1 Peter. The Apostle Peter was chosen to be the first to take the gospel to the Gentiles, but his ministry was primarily to the Jews. He wrote these two letters, 1 and 2 Peter, to believers scattered in five areas of the Roman Empire, two of which Paul had not been allowed to enter. And in writing these letters, Peter fulfilled the commission given him in Luke chapter 22 and in John chapter 21. The theme of the first letter is the grace of God. And Peter tells us how to live as aliens in a hostile world. The theme of the second letter is spiritual knowledge. He uses the word knowledge seven times in the letter. And he warns us about false teachers. Peter opens his first epistle by reminding his readers of what God's grace has done for them in saving them. And he then points out that God's grace helps them in various relationships of life and in the coming time of persecution. Peter sums up the themes of both letters in his benediction over in 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace, he writes, and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is the only way to succeed in these last days. We begin, of course, today in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, and we'll read about the fact that salvation is a calling. We are chosen by the Father, who gives us the new birth. We are set apart by the Spirit, who gave the Word and enables God's servants to declare it, and gives sinners the faith to believe the promise. We have been purchased by the blood of God's Son, who died for us, rose again, and is coming for us to give us our inheritance. No wonder Peter opened his letter with a song of praise. So let's get to it as we begin today our reading in the New Testament. November 22nd, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people, who are living as foreigners in the lands of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, and the province of Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father chose you long ago, and the Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed Jesus Christ and are cleansed by His blood. May you have more and more of God's special favor and wonderful peace. All honor to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is by His boundless mercy that God has given us the privilege of being born again. Now we live with a wonderful expectation because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for His children. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God, in His mighty power, will protect you until you receive this salvation because you are trusting Him. It will be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though it is necessary for you to endure many trials for a while. These trials are only to test your faith, to show that it is strong and pure. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, 
It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love Him even though you have never seen Him. Though you do not see Him, you trust Him, and even now you are happy with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Your reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something the prophets wanted to know more about. They prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you, even though they had many questions as to what it all could mean. They wondered what the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when He told them in advance about Christ's suffering and His great glory afterward. They wondered when and to whom all this would happen. They were told that these things would not happen during their lifetime, but many years later during yours. And now this good news has been announced by those who preached to you in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Psalm 119, verses 17 through 32. God's Word will guide you on the pilgrim path of life. You're a stranger on the earth, and you need a road map to help you know the way. That road map is the Bible. Ask God to open your eyes to the Word and keep your eyes on the way. Let your Bible be your trusted counselor. The Word of God brings you the blessing of life because it has life and it imparts life and it nourishes life, the Word of God. See, God's Word can revive and strengthen you. These are not just words on a page. This is where you meet God. These words are living and true. And uh, God's Word will revive you and strengthen you, as I said, even when you're in the dust. Nine times in this psalm, the writer prayed for the new life from the Lord. Hey, no need to stay in the dust when there is life for you in the Word of God. Now, let me say this to you. Hunger is the key element to whether or not we will pursue intimacy with God. Therefore, we need to keep in mind that we are in control of our appetite not God. The question is, what appetites and cravings are we going to develop? There's a spiritual principle, folks, that will, listen, always apply, and that is this. Are you ready? We will hunger for what we feed on. We will hunger for what we feed on. See, you got to look at what you're feeding yourself on a week, and you ought to take an assessment of what you're dieting on. What are you feeding your soul on is what I'm talking about, not natural food. Now, how many of you know that when you go without eating for three, four, five days, and it really happens about the fifth day, how many of you know your appetite leaves physically? If you've ever gone on a fast for five or more days, you'll notice when you hit about the fifth day, some people it happens about the fourth or third, but with me it was five. You hit the fifth day and your appetite's gone. I mean, eating a shoe looks as good as eating a piece of meat. Why? What happens? It's gone until hunger returns, and that's usually about 40, 50 days later, and that's when starvation sets in. That's what happened with Jesus. Afterward, he hungered. After the 40 days, he hungered. Now... What I've noticed that when you go on a long fast like that, your hunger totally leaves, all right? And you know the only way you can regain your hunger is eat small meals, several. And that causes your appetite to return. So this is what I've noticed is that when people lose that hunger to be with God alone, it means you haven't been feeding yourself with His presence and His Word for a while, and you have to start doing it in short intervals. 
get the scripture and open it up and just read half the scripture. Don't read it all. Don't try to force it in because how many of you know if you go without food four days and you eat a big meal, you may die physically. Take short meals and start meditating on the scripture. Then 30 minutes later, take another scripture and meditate and just stop and let the Lord's presence start ministering to you. And what happens is once he speaks one thing to you, bam, your hunger's back. See, because once you've tasted his presence, you're like a junkie. You're like an alcoholic. When you taste of the heavenly gift, when you taste of his presence, man, you are like nothing like it. Let, let me tell you something. I, I've preached to thousands, millions, excuse me. I mean, our books are in the millions. We've, we've been all over the world. But I'm going to tell you something. If I had to choose, if I had to choose between the presence of God and having intimacy with him and ministry, I'd take that. I'd say, you can be somebody else, you can have it. Because there's nothing better. Moses tasted it. And that's why Moses never once said, I want to go back to Egypt. But Israel was constantly saying, we want to go back to Egypt. Because they never tasted it. I mean, think of it. They lived in slums. He lived in the wealthiest house in the world. He had the richest grandfather. The richest man in the world was his grandfather. And he never once said, I want to go back to Egypt. It was better for me back in Egypt. But they were constantly saying, it was better for us back in Egypt. And they lived in slums. Oh, it has to do with your hunger. What are you feeding yourself with? Let me say this. Your hunger is your spiritual thermometer. How many of you know what's the first thing that leaves when a person gets the flu and they're sick? Their appetite. The first sign that you've backslidden is your loss of hunger for his presence and his word. See, backsliding doesn't begin when a guy suddenly finds himself in bed with a strange girl. It started when he lost his hunger. See, let me, let me end it with this. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. You know what's amazing? It baffles me. The world will spend thousands, tens of thousands of dollars when they bring the 112 carat diamond to the Smithsonian. They will have it in an unbreakable glass and a pad where if the weight changes one-tenth of an ounce, all the alarms go off. If the temperature changes inside the glass, the alarm goes off. They have electric eye beams for after hours, armed guards with guns, right? All to protect a rock. A rock! And yet, we open up, we watch anything, we listen to anything. And God said the most valuable thing you got is your heart, not a rock. And even us believers will protect our little rocks. But yet we'll open up our hearts to anything and feed ourselves on anything. And then we wonder why we're not taking this invitation to draw near so earnestly. How many of you know an unsaved used car salesman will tell you what you want in order to get what you got? Jesus will never flatter you. He will always tell you the truth because he loves you. The used car salesman wants to take what you got. He wants to take advantage of you. You got what I'm saying? Psalm 119, verses 17 through 32. Be good to your servant, that I may live and obey your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your law. I am but a foreigner here on earth. I need the guidance of your commands. Don't hide them from me. I am overwhelmed continually with a desire for your laws. You rebuke those cursed proud ones who wander from your commands. Don't let them scorn and insult me, for I have obeyed your decrees." Even princes sit and speak against me. But I will meditate on your principles. Your decrees please me. They give me wise advice. I lie in the dust, completely discouraged. Revive me by your word. 
I told you my plans, and you answered. Now teach me your principles. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful miracles. I weep with grief. Encourage me by your word. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your law. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your laws. I cling to your decrees. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. If you will help me, I will run to follow your commands. Proverbs 28, verses 8 through 10. A person who makes money by charging interest will lose it. It will end up in the hands of someone who is kind to the poor. The prayers of a person who ignores the law are despised. Those who lead the upright into sin will fall into their own trap, but the honest will inherit good things. <laughs>